Hi, Suspect listeners. Welcome back to episode 18. We're almost to 20. We're one-fifth of the way to 100. I promise that we're going to make it there. (laughs) Bear with me. It's kind of one of those things where when I have a free hour to sit down, I will. If I don't, I won't, period. So this week, I'm going to try and get two episodes at least out to you guys to try and play catch up from the last two weeks. Um, Good news. I did finish my Sam Little notes. Round of applause. Round of applause. I know a lot of you have been waiting on that, so I'm very happy that I finished that. It was a lot. It was a lot to sit and read about and try to just really focus on that entire time while I finished my notes, but we did it! Yeah! So we do have a couple things that before we jump into today's episode that I do want to discuss with you guys, um, a couple recent events that have happened in the United States that I just want to discuss. So for those of you listening that are crime junkies, you've been listening to crime podcasts for a while, watching Forensic Files for a while, you probably remember the case in 1985, they found remains of a woman in Missoula County, Montana. The woman was never identified, so the police actually give her a nickname, Christy Crystal Creek. And there was a break in that case, DNA-wise, actually just a couple of days ago. So, like I mentioned, in 1985, the remains of this woman are found by a bear hunter. And the police say that she died of two gunshot wounds to the head. Earlier this year, after some state funding and partnering with a lab, Missoula County Sheriff's Office conducts a forensic genetic genealogy investigation which identifies DNA relatives in Spokane that were related to the this woman whose remains were found. So at this time, additional DNA testing is done, and Christy Crystal Creek is identified as Janet Lee Lucas, a missing mom who was about 23, year old, 23 years old at the time that she went missing in 1985. She also had a five-year-old son at the time that she went missing, and they say that this same son has spent most of his adult life just looking for his mom, searching for clues, anything that he can find, which is just so sad. Like To have that happen at five years old, where you're aware of the fact that your mom's not coming home, and then to grow up and just have that traumatic memory over and over again and spend your life searching for her, ugh. That breaks my heart. So yeah, that was a big break this week um, that the police were able to find that woman, identify her, bring her family some peace and some justice and help them understand that she's not just missing. She has been found, unfortunately, even though that is not the result they would have liked. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to let you guys know about that for those of you who are listening, who have listened to podcasts on this case, because I know that I have plenty of times. Christy Crystal Creek, again, has been identified as Janet Lee Lucas, the missing woman from 1985 from Spokane. So go look into that case if you guys want any more information on the actual case or any more information on the investigation, the discovery. There's plenty of articles out here for you guys to read that on. Just wanted to at least let you guys know for those of you who are listening about that. 
So another thing that I want to talk about before we jump into this week's episode is something that just recently happened in my hometown, which is pretty fucking crazy to say the least. I had some people, um, obviously you guys know I live in Colorado, so I don't obviously get the Florida or the Jacksonville news stream to my TV every night. So on Monday, I had some of my friends from Jacksonville who know that, you know, I'm very interested in these crime cases, send me an article about something that happened in Jacksonville this week. And I, I'm just fucking flabbergasted, I guess. Um, So for those of you listening that are living in Florida or in the Jacksonville area, I'm positive that you could not have missed this at this point, because I heard that it's been pretty much all over every news station in Jacksonville. But for those of you not listening, For those of you not from the Florida or Jacksonville area, listen the fuck to this. Okay, so basically what happened is this 13-year-old girl, her name is Tristan Bailey. She goes missing in Jacksonville. And 16 hours after she's last seen, they discover her body in a wooded area in Jacksonville. So... I still need to get more details on this to figure out exactly how this investigation played out, but they arrested a suspect in the case already, and it's a classmate of hers who's 14 years old. His name is Aiden Fucci. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't really care how you pronounce it. Um, So Aiden Fucci, who is Tristan's classmate, 14 years old, they go to the same school. He's arrested and charged with second-degree murder. So according to the chief medical examiner, Tristan's death was homicide caused by by sharp force trauma by stabbing. Bailey, Tristan Bailey's 14-year-old classmate, Aiden Fucci, has been arrested and charged with second-degree murder and the death. According to Fucci's arrest report, he and Tristan were spotted together on surveillance video from the North Dur- from the North Durban Amenity Center, and they were walking north at about 1.14 a.m. on Sunday. The arrest report says that Tristan and Aiden were seen about 30 minutes later on a home surveillance camera walking east on Saddlestone Drive. One of them was wearing black pants and a black shirt, which are the clothes Tristan was wearing when her body was found just a couple hours later near a retention pond. The report said that she had a significant injury to her head and other trauma. The other person in the video was wearing shorts, we're assuming this is Aiden, a light-colored hooded sweatshirt, and white shoes with a black Nike logo. According to the arrest report, a little less than two hours later, at about 3.27 a.m., only the person in shorts is seen walking back west on Saddlestone Drive, carrying the white shoes with the Nike logo. Police say that Aiden admits in a conversation with his mother that was recorded in the interview interview room at the police station that he took his shoes off because his feet hurt and he carried them home. Police say that the retention pond where Tristan was found was just east of Saddlestone Drive cul-de-sac, which is about 0.3 miles from Aiden's house, which is consistent with the timeline established from the video surveillance. Police said they found the clothes from the video at Fucci's home, along with other items of 
along with other items of evidence value, and that some of what they had found had blood on it. They say that Aiden's statements changed several different times during questioning, but ultimately he made several admissions, which along with the evidence at his house and the video surveillance footage leads to his arrest. So today is Tuesday. Today, Aiden appears in court. Mr. Fucci appears in court. It was a Zoom call with his parents, um, the judge, and a couple other people on there. So I watched the video. You guys can find this. I'll make sure that I link it to the Instagram for those of you that are interested. But it's about 10 minutes long. And it's basically the judge just telling everybody how we're going to move forward at this point, what to expect um, within the next couple weeks, the next 21 days. Aiden looks so unfucking remorseful it is insane he literally looks like he is sitting in class and like a teacher's talking to him and like he could just give a fuck less about what they're talking about that's literally how he looks throughout the entire video both of his parents are on the zoom call can clearly see him i just and also right before i recorded this i didn't fucking know that i didn't fucking know this but um this fucking 14 year old takes a picture on snapchat in the back of the fucking police car holding up a peace sign and he says hey guys has anybody seen tristan lately which is just like almost like a slap in the face like what the fuck what what would possess you to do that like why would i know you're 14 years old and you don't think very clearly because you're 14 years old but i don't know i don't know so right now this is so crazy um Obviously, Tristan has sadly passed away. She was found dead. So now they're in the process of deciding whether they're going to try him as an adult or try him as a juvenile. And it's fucking insane that this happens. Like, I I don't know. I know, like, a lot of times, like, you know, kids do stuff in, like, their younger teen years. And, like, by the time they hit 18, like, it gets expunged off their record like whatever the case may be, but when it comes to a fucking crime like this, a murder crime, you straight up murdered one of your classmates, like that's a little bit different than stealing or a petty theft charge, like you straight up murdered somebody, I I understand at 14 years old that your brain is not fully developed, so you know, there's been cases where stuff like this has happened and by the time they're 18 years old, like I said, it gets taken off their record or they have to serve a certain amount of time in a rehab facility or like whatever the case may be. Every single case is so fucking different in every single state and in every single country. They all get handled differently. But when it comes to you taking a picture in the back of the fucking police car asking if anybody's seen Tristan when you already fucking know where Tristan is, like to me, this just seems like almost like he's trying to create an alibi, but he wasn't smart enough to create an alibi. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't fucking know. This is insane. I feel so bad for this little girl's family. I I, I don't even know what to say on this. We're going to have to wait until more details are released on this going forward in the investigation and with the trial. But Yeah, definitely go look this up. Her name is Tristan Bailey, and his name is Aiden Fuji. Tristan was 13. Aiden was 14. 
Um, like I said, Aiden had his first court date today. I will make sure to share that link on Instagram so that you guys can watch that and check that out. Let me know what you guys think. I know, I know we hear all the fucking time on TV shows, podcasts, whatever. Everybody reacts different in different situations, but you guys go watch how this motherfucker is reacting in court and you let me know what you personally think. All my little self-proclaimed FBI agents watch and report back to me because I want to know. I want to know. Crazy as fuck. So sending lots of love and peace to Tristan Bailey's family at this time. Um, That's tough. That is so, so fucking sad. So fucking sad. So yeah, those are the two things that I wanted to discuss with you guys before we jump into today's case. Like I mentioned, please go look up both of those cases, find your own details, create your own little investigation, and find me anything interesting that I did not mention on either one of those. Okay, so today's case is going to be on the McStay family. For any of you that have been listening to crime shit for a while, I am almost positive that you've probably heard about this case. Um, I did notes on this last September, and they've literally just been sitting on my phone. So I figured we'll do this case first, and then the next episode will be Sam Little. But I want to go ahead and talk about this since I've had the notes for almost a year now. (laughs) So let's go ahead and jump right into it. In 2010, Joseph McStay, 40 years old, and his wife, Summer, who was 43, lived in Fallbrook, California, with their sons, Gianni, age 4, Joseph Jr., age 3. Joseph McStay owned and operated Earth-Inspired Products, a company that was built, a company that built decorative fountains, and Summer was a licensed real estate agent. Okay, on February 4th, 2010, at 7.47 p.m., a neighbor's surveillance system captures the bottom 18 inches of a vehicle, and at this time, they thought that it was the McStay's family vehicle. In this surveillance recording, the, the the vehicle's occupants could not be seen. At 8.28 p.m., a call was placed from Joseph's cell phone to his business partner, Chase Merritt, which went to voicemail. Chase later tells police that he ignored it because he was watching a movie. Joseph's cell phone pinged a tower in Fallbrook at this time. So over the next several days, relatives of the McStay family unsuccessfully tried to contact them. On February 13th, Joseph's brother Michael traveled to the McStay's residence, and upon finding an open window in the back, he climbs in and he gains entry to their home. Michael McStay did not find any of the family at the home, and their two dogs were left in the backyard. On February 15th, Michael Michael calls the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, and he reports that his brother and his family were missing. Officers arrive at the McStay home and requested a search warrant, which was executed on February 19th, 2010. Although a search of the home found no evidence of struggle or foul play, there were indications of a fast departure. A a carton of eggs that had been left on the counter and two child-sized bowls of popcorn sat on the sofa. During their investigation, the police learned that around 11 p.m. on February 8th, 
The family's car had been towed from a strip mall in San Diego near the Mexican border. It was believed to have been parked there between around 5.30 and 7 o'clock that evening. The car's location from February to four. The car's location from February 4th to February 8th remain unknown. After their disappearance, it was speculated that the McStays left voluntarily since investigators found searches on the family's computer for things like what documents do children need for traveling to Mexico and Spanish language lessons. Because their car was found so close to the Mexican border, police reviewed the surveillance footage of the pedestrian gate into Mexico. Video recorded the evening of February 8th, released on March 5th, showed a family of four resembling the McStays crossing the border. On February 19th, 2010, California police notified Interpol to be on the lookout for the family. In April 2013, the San Diego Sheriff's Department announced that they believed that the McStays traveled to Mexico voluntarily. Unconfirmed sightings of the family were reported in Mexico and elsewhere, perpetuating hopes that they were safe and that they had left voluntarily. Relatives of the McStays doubted that they would travel to Mexico, saying that Joseph and Summer avoided the country because of the safety threat posed by recent drug wars. Other critics of the theories noted other critics of the theory noted that the McStays had more than $100,000 in their bank accounts with no withdrawal of funds in preparation for a trip and their accounts were untouched after their disappearance. Which is something that we hear a lot, like, oh, like this person went missing, but they didn't touch their bank account. No, no, people need money to survive. So we can almost always guarantee that if that is the case, something foul play-ish is going on here. Summer's sister stated that her passport was expired, although it is possible for a U.S. citizen to enter Mexico without a passport they do have to have one to re-enter the United States. Investigators in the public also focused on Joseph McStay's business partner, Chase Merritt, who was the last known person to have had contact with Joseph McStay and the first to notice his disappearance. According to state records, Chase had felony convictions for burglary and receiving stolen property. His most recent felony conviction in 2001 was for the theft of $32,000 worth of welding and drilling equipment from San Gabriel Valley Ornamental Iron Works in Monrovia, California. An acquaintance of Merritt, uh, an acquaintance of Chase, an acquaintance, an acquaintance of Chase's told a San Diego reporter I think police should look at him and anybody associated with him, which is just like, that's something you probably don't want people saying about you, right? Like, oh, bad reputation. No, thank you. If your reputation's that bad to where somebody says to the police they need to check into you, it, it's time to pack it up and just stop. Like, It's time to be honest with yourself at this point. In 2013, Chase acknowledged that he had spent more than an hour with Joseph the day the McStay family went missing. 
Chase, who reportedly was the last person Joseph had called from his cell phone, also said that he had passed a polygraph test and did not know anything that could help solve the mystery of the family's disappearance. When asked if he thought that Chase was a suspect, Joseph's father, Patrick, said, I have to have faith in Chase because I have to have faith in my son. I believe that Joseph trusted Chase and believed in Chase. Do I think Chase is involved? I don't think so, and I truly hope not. The circumstances surrounding the McStay family's disappearance and the lack of clues about their whereabouts triggered speculation by amateur sleuths. Radio host Rick Baker published a book, No Goodbyes, The Mysterious, Dis the Mysterious Disappearance of the McStay Family. Baker began following the case in 2013 after interviewing Joseph's brother, Michael, on his program. He conducted dozens of interviews on the case. He traveled to Mexico, Belize, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic. He followed leads and reported sightings of the family. In the book, he speculated that Summer might have committed the murders. Which, you know, as with every case that we talk about, there's lots of theories. A lot of them are plausible and a lot of them are not. So that's something that you'll see with every case that I do is just lots of different theories about who killed who, who did this. We don't know. On November 11th, 2013, a motorcyclist found four sets of human remains buried in two shallow graves in the desert near Victorville, California. Two days later, two sets of remains were officially identified of those as those of Summer and Joseph McStay. So right there, that kills his theory. Summer couldn't have killed them because she was dead too. And San Bernardino County authorities said that they believe the family died of blunt force trauma inside their home, but declined to discuss specifics of the deaths or a motive. Days after, the days after the discovery of the bodies, Patrick McStay stated that the San Diego Sheriff's Department investigation was faulty and filed former complaints, which is another thing that we see pretty often. It's like the police aren't doing their job or they're not doing it to the full extent that they could be doing it when it comes to investigations or anything, really, I guess. Any, yeah, literally anything, really. Show me a police officer that always does his job correctly, always shows up, always pushes as far as he can go in any kind of investigation or any kind of interview. Those are the kind of police officers I want to talk to, not these ones that half-ass do their job when it's convenient for them. When the bodies were found, author of No Goodbyes, The Mysterious the mysterious disappearance of the McStay family, accusing Summer of murdering her family, Rick Baker, he offered a refund to everybody who purchased his book before November 2013. In January 2014, Chase said that he might write a book about the family, alleging that Summer had anger issues and that Joseph had been ill for some time with a mysterious ailment. Joseph's family confirmed that he had an unexplained illness and that Summer was possessive of her husband, but they called Chase's suggestion that she was responsible for his illness unfounded. Patrick McStay said, I truly believe she loved my son. On November 5th, 2014, 
Detectives from the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department arrested Chase in connection with the deaths of the McStay family after discovering that his DNA had been recovered from their car. His arrest was announced on November 7, 2014. Chase was charged with four counts of murder and the district attorney sought the death penalty. In July 2015, Chase's defense attorney filed a request to have the case dismissed because of the wording used by the prosecution when the charges were filed. According to arrest warrant affidavits filed in the case, autopsies concluded that all four victims had been beaten to death with a blunt object, and investigators believe the murder weapon was a three-pound sledgehammer, which was found in the grave containing the remains of Summer and her son. Investigators testified that they believe the victims were tortured before they were killed, which is just like so fucking sad to me. I mean, like any kind of murder or death is sad, obviously, but like if you're sick enough in the head to do anything to a fucking child, you're fucking disgusting. You don't deserve your life. And that's really how I feel. And I don't care what anybody listening to this thinks. I love children. I've worked with them for almost a decade of my life. So I'm very passionate and very concerned about all children and their well-being at all fucking times. So this just makes me so sick. Like you, you did this to a three-year-old, a fucking three-year-old. Prosecutors allege that Chase had a gambling problem and killed the family for financial gain. They said that he wrote checks totaling more than $21,000 on Joseph's business accounts in the days after the family was killed, and then went on a gambling spree at nearby casinos where he lost thousands of dollars, which is just like, okay, Chase, let's, let's think logically here, Chase. You just fucking killed an entire family. What are you going to do right after that? Go to Vegas? go fucking gambling, like go play on the slot machines. Like you're not, you're not a smart criminal and most of them aren't, but this is really fucking stupid. You get caught on surveillance camera inside a fucking casino days after you just killed an entire family using his business account money. I'm just like, Chase, let's think before we act. Okay. Let's think before we speak. Let's just think. Chase's trial was delayed as he had repeatedly fired his attorneys or attempted to represent himself. As of February 2016, Chase had gone through five attorneys, which is just like, this is giving me Ted Bundy energy. Like you want to represent yourself, but you weren't even smart enough not to fucking go out to the casino two days after you killed an entire family. This is major Ted Bundy energy, (laughs) major Ted Bundy energy. In January 2018, a trial setting conference was scheduled for February 23rd. Chase's attorney filed a motion in San Bernardino Superior Court on April 7, 2018, arguing that Joseph's business and accounting records were hearsay evidence and therefore inadmissible. On May 4th, the case was scheduled to go to trial in July 2018. The trial finally began on January 7th, 2009 in a San Bernardino court with both sides making opening statements. Let me just rewind a little bit. So where it says that Joseph's business and accounting records were hearsay evidence. 
No, absolutely not. It's not fucking hearsay. This is his fucking business partner, somebody who's been a part of the business and been on the accounts for years at this point. So no, it's not hearsay evidence. It's clear to the point evidence that is not inadmissible in court. Like it's completely valid for them to use that in court. (laughs) I'm laughing. I laugh when I get mad. So I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I'm fucking mad. Like how ignorant could you be? On June 10th, 2009, a San Bernardino County jury found Chase Merritt guilty of murdering the McStay family. On June 24th, the jury recommended that Chase be sentenced to death. The court upheld the jury's recommendation, and Chase Merritt was sentenced to death on January 21st, 2020. So about almost a year and a half ago. I'm like, I take a deep breath after all that. Like, I feel like I'm just like reading my notes, like spilling all the information out to you guys, because I want to make sure I give you all the details precisely, and then I forget to fucking breathe. So everybody, let's take a deep breath. And that is the case of the McStay family. Like I said, I've had these notes on my um, phone for like a fucking long ass time. This is a case that when I first heard about it, I was like, how the fuck? Because they hadn't arrested Chase yet when I first heard about this story. It was just, hey, this entire family went missing. Nobody knows what happened to them. And I was like, how the fuck does that happen? How does an entire fucking family go missing? And nobody knows what the fuck happens. Like that, that sounds like some paranormal shit to me. No, it's just a fucking sick business partner, a fucking sicko. So yeah, that is the case of the McStay family. You guys can definitely find um, a couple episodes like Forensic Files, all our good crime TV shows that we all like to binge. I know a couple of those have episodes on the McStay family. There's definitely so many podcast episodes on it and an abundance of information online. So again, I'm always going to encourage you guys to please, please do your research. Please find details that I didn't mention and send them to me. Let's all continue learning and pouring into each other. I hope everybody's 2021 is going good so far. Um, I know it's been pretty eventful. We all really wanted this year to be uneventful after last year. And unfortunately, that's just not the world that we're living in at the time. So I do hope that everybody is taking time to make sure that their mental health is where it needs to be. Um, That's something that I really learned within the last year and a half, um, last year and a half is like, make sure that you are good. Make sure that your mental health is good. Make sure that you're at peace and not at war with yourself because it makes everything else going on in the world feel less suffocating. But when you are not in the right position mentally, and then there's all this other stuff going on in the world, it literally feels like you're drowning. So my encouragement to you guys is please just take time, make sure your mental health is good, whether you have to meditate, listen to music, whatever brings you peace, make sure that you're making at least an hour of time for yourself every day just to enjoy that, like whatever that is. For me personally, it's podcast and recently I've become a TikTok girl I know I know I told everybody I wasn't gonna do it and now I love it and now I'm on TikTok so 
TikTok and podcast are like my two things. And I come home every day, I take a bubble bath, I listen to a podcast or I scroll on TikTok. And that is just my time to decompress after being after after being at work all day or whatever I did that day. So definitely please find something that you guys can do for yourselves every day just to fucking decompress. Just somewhere where you can sit and take a fucking deep breath and let it all out. I do have some exciting things coming up. I have my best friend is coming to visit me. Well, her family lives here too. So she's coming to visit multiple people, but she'll be here next month. And then I will be headed back to Jacksonville next month just for the weekend. My brother is getting married and I'm so happy and so excited for him and his fiance. She is great. So I'm very stoked that I get to be there for that and get out of this and get out of this crazy weather in Colorado. Colorado can decide if it wants to be sunny, if it wants to snow, or if it wants to rain. Yesterday it snowed. Today it's about to rain. Tomorrow I think it's going to be sunny. I don't know. I don't know, Colorado. You got to figure this out, okay? This is more bipolar than Florida, and that's saying a lot. If you guys haven't already, if you're listening, please go check out the merch store, suspectpodcast.com. Um, still just the t-shirts and the stickers up there, but hopefully I'll be adding a new design onto the website soon. I just need some time to really sit and speak with my artist friend and not just send her messages on Instagram. I want to make sure the design is great and cute for you guys. And yeah, if you guys have any design ideas, send those over to me, suspectpodcast.com. Everything's pretty cheap on there. So yeah, go order your guys, go order yourself some merch and tell everybody about my crime podcast that you all love and listen to so much. <laughs> also, if you haven't left a review or rated suspect on iTunes or Apple podcast, I mean, go do that. It literally takes two seconds and it helps boost the podcast so that more people can discover me and more people can listen to the cases and more people can join our little suspect family. So please go do that. It really helps. Share this podcast with a friend, share it with a relative, share it with anybody. Just send them the link and maybe they'll just start listening. <laughs> Thank you to everybody tuning in. Thank you to everybody that's bought merch, anybody that's shared the podcast. I really appreciate you guys more than I can even express. Um, I do hope that one day this is my full-time job. I hope that this is my little business within the next couple of years. So just going to keep pushing, keep striving. I'm going to keep going, as all of you should listening who are passionate about anything. Keep fucking going, even when it doesn't feel like it's going to pop off like you want it to, or if it's not growing at the rate that you expected it to. Just keep going. Literally, just keep going. And you'll see that growth. You'll see that change. You'll see everything start to come together. Just don't give up. I have so many times wanted just to say, fuck this podcast, especially like, when I've gone a month without recording and I'm like, should I even do it again? Yes, I should. Keep fucking going. Keep fucking going. I'm so proud of everybody listening. If you woke up today and got out of bed and brushed your fucking teeth, go you. I'm so proud of you. We're going to get through 2021 and hopefully 2022 is uneventful as fuck. I'm so tired of things constantly going on. I need a break. I need a break from reality. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys so much again for listening and until the next episode, be nice, 
wash your hands and work on your mental health. Love you guys. Bye.